Hey, it's Finn, and if you've been listening to 680 for long, you know that I'm a big fan of Audi Atlanta. That's where I got my Audi Q8 e-tron, which I absolutely love. And it's the only dealership I would recommend to my friends and my family. And here's why. For one, Audi Atlanta has a great selection of luxury vehicles. They helped me find the exact SUV I was looking for, and the purchase was super easy. A fully transparent experience catered to me. The same experience they provide all their customers And here's one more reason that makes Audi Atlanta so special. During the month of April, Audi Atlanta will make a donation to Enduring Hearts for every vehicle sold. Thanks to the efforts of Enduring Hearts, children with heart transplants are living longer and healthier lives. Get the Audi you've always wanted while supporting a great cause. To learn more about Enduring Hearts and to view our current specials, visit AudiAtlanta.com. To start or complete your entire purchase online or shop Audi Atlanta in person like I did on Peachtree Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Together, we have the power to make positive changes that could last a lifetime. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. We have playoff expansion creep going on. It's already working fabulously. In fact, I will say bold move to everyone involved in the college football playoff. Chuck Oliver Show on Thursday. There is so much going on in college football. It's a Thursday at the end of February. So I will look at the elephant and just take one bite. Playoff expansion creep. Y'all know what creep is. Creep is ooze. It's, It's the slow... Taking of, acquiring, uh, requisitioning of something that really isn't yours to take. (laughs) It doesn't exist now, but we have a goal in mind. We want 17% more. Creep, ooze, we're going to take it 0.1% at a time. And and you're not going to notice. It's going to be water on a rock. Well, the playoff expansion creep that's going on right now, I mean, my gosh, this thing's got bacon grease on it. 12 is going to 14 before it's been 12. Do we understand this? Like, if you haven't seen the story, God bless Bill Hancock. Just the bold nature of what he says with a straight face. Um, You can go read his comments, but here's the boiled down version. This year, we cracked the champagne bottle. We cut the ribbon on the 12-team playoff era. There's already a discussion that after only two years of this, nah, 14. Let me go ahead. Spoiler alert. Folks, it's already 16. It just hasn't been detailed yet. This is from a source. Bill Hancock has said, we have all kinds of discussions. This is from a source. I was reading this from the Associated Press. The bump from 12 to 14 teams, because again, we're just starting 12 this fall. And if you haven't seen the story, there has already been like in the room blatant discussion about, all right, what are we really going to do? And it's being driven by the Big Ten and the SEC saying, hey, we have more of the teams everybody wants to see 
Big Ten's like, we just got more teams. Um, but we have more of the brands and teams that people will tune in to watch on TV, which is how we all get paid. So we should have more of this money. Or we should, th- by the way, this is it's the same as money, this next part. Or we should have more guaranteed spots, qualifying spots, dedicated to this conference and this other conference. And that's either Sankey or Petiti talking. That what they really want is money. It's a cash grab. What they're saying is, since we have more teams and since we have more of the better teams, you should have more spots reserved. And at 12 spots, well, there's just not enough reservations to go around because each of those leagues want four. Go to 14? Okay. Now, here is how you can do this. The idea of everybody who has to win a national championship, if you're going to win a national title, you have to play four extra games. That seemed a little much to push on folks. So they said, no, 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 no. That'll only apply to the outlier. May not apply to anybody ever. Because the top four, they don't have to play. There's no chance the top four can play four extra games. They can only play three. So... It already mustard seeds the idea that, well, some teams will play four, but we're not really concerned about it. Comma, because we don't expect that the teams to win a national championship will have to do it. But that first part of the sentence is the important. It plants the seed that a team finishing its regular season playing a conference title game and then four additional playoff games? That idea is not foreign. So you go from the top four getting a bye to the, it's only the top two. They say that this will add value back to the conference championship games. Well, it's a good idea. It sounds right. But then you take that away because the goal isn't to go from 12 to 14. The goal is to go to 16. So trust me, that's already done. All we need to do is wait, see how many more pages we pull off the calendar. That is the only only thing going. But the quote I wanted to read... Folks, I was flabbergasted. The bump from 12 to 14 teams would mostly address the issue of access rather than finances. The issue of access rather than the issue of finances. How is there an issue of finances regarding money that literally hasn't been created yet? Like it's all brand new money falling out of the clouds. And there there's an issue of finances. It's not enough brand new, freshly minted to just falling out of the sky. So we've got playoff folks. The story about it's going to 14. Can you believe it? No, that's not the story. That's the distraction. That's to get us. We were already of the idea that, well, you know what? The, there will be the majority of teams. Their path is to play four. But, you know, at the very top, eh, they won't have to play four. All this does, in addition to adding more TV inventory, a lot more, like work out those numbers, like per game. Um, you add two more games. Um, all this does is add one little four-letter word to it. We're already used to, yeah, the path, the prescribed, the, the bracketed out path for most of the teams would be would be four games but at the very top no they only would play three 
All they did is add one little word in there at the very, very top. At one and two. All right, they wouldn't have to play four. Folks, everybody's going to be playing four. So if you're in the playoffs and you're going to win a national championship, you're going to play four. So at that point, I don't know. They'll figure out whatever they're doing as far as brackets and the idea of a buy. And at that point, you know what? Why don't we just have a top? Gosh, we have to give some sort of reward. All right. How about a first four? And like there's an opening round and that winnows it down to the original 12 that everybody liked anyway. So all we're doing is setting the field of 12. So we'll have an additional eight really to play a first round and then we'll have the actual 12. So who are you a fan of right now? Who are, who are you? He's a fan of Colorado. It's been nuclear winter in Boulder. Until Dion showed up. And by the way, the football got better. It should have never been as bad record-wise as it was, but the football got better. It wasn't good. It was exciting. Um, Boulder, you're going to be a playoff team. When it's 20 and the first round, is, you know, those those back eight, they play. And now, okay, now we're set. Now everything. Um, you're going to be in the playoffs if you're a Colorado fan. If you're a Minnesota fan, It'll never happen, even in that one grade. No, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Central Michigan's like, well, we had him first. What about, yes, it can happen to you too, Central Michigan. But there's only one automatic. No. Crumbs. Crumbs. When the Big Ten and SEC have all this, this entire map unfolded on the table, we get to see all that their version of Rand McNally is. It's going to include a few more crumbs. Now, loaf's over here, but you're going to get some more crumbs. We see Del McGee's going to get a job. Has it been announced yet? Del McGee, um, this is this is not news. This is still just rumors and reports. This is not news yet. When it becomes news, then well, it's news. And you know my standard has yet to fail me. No, actually, I take that back. Uh, I saw tweets about Wesley McGriff from Texas A&M. I was like, okay. So, um, unless I get a tweet from the person involved, the human or the, the franchise, the school, the whoever, it's eh, still speculation. Del McGee's taking the Georgia State job. That is that is my my prediction of if it doesn't happen by the time we're off the air today, question that a lot of people have wondered i've talked about it openly on this show i ask everybody who knows del mcgee or the georgia program or coaching staffs or coaching searches or whatever else when del mcgee gonna get an offer he takes i don't know about offers del mcgee is the georgia running backs coach he was a state champion high school football coach in the state of georgia which is a nice start to your coaching career played at auburn way back in the day played in the league for a few seasons i don't think he got a pension but he he was in the league and so then del mcgee goes into coaching and he's down at this place called carver down kind of on the georgia alabama line columbus georgia he's he's at carver and yeah del knew what he was doing so auburn brings him back as an analyst and then quickly georgia southern and then kirby gets hired at georgia and says y'all del come home and so Dell's been home for like eight or nine years, whatever. How long, long has Kirby been there? He's been there. He was running backs coach, and he was assistant head coach, and he was run game coordinator, and just kept getting title increases because Dell is two things: really good coach, 
great guy to have around program. I put that aside. Honestly, I don't have to hire a best friend. You can Todd Munkin has a reputation, warm fuzzy or cold prickly. Uh, he cold prickly. So I, I, I that's fine. I don't need that. Bell apparently really solid dude, really good coach, and ace recruiter. And here's here's how I judge the. You know how I judge a running backs coach? I watch them. Do they pass block? If they're on the field, they're going to pass block. So they they settle that. Um, the coaches figure that out. Protect the ball and work your legs. That's all I. If you do that as a running back, if you're on the field, it's because they trust you to pass block. Uh, you can't tip your pitches that much. You really can't. The coaching's too good. So if they protect the ball and they keep working their legs after contact, you're doing a great job. Del McGee does a great job. Puts guys in the league. Everybody's happy, and he gets broke off in Athens. He, my my understanding, I mean, you can go Google your computer. He was making 852 last year plus. When I say plus, I don't know who has sponsorships with the Georgia program. I know a lot of folks do. And so whoever does, he may be in an F-150. He may be in a Silverado. I'm, I, I know Kirby is who he endorses, but there are friends and family pricing, and there's just outright gifts. Oh, you're on the coaching staff? Drive this SUV. Sure. So he's making 852 from the 15th and 30th transactions plus whatever else is there. Now, here's the key. Been doing it for a minute. Been doing it in Athens in a place called Clark County where, you know what 850 buys you? Just about everything you'd like. And when it's been a second year and a third year and a fourth year and a fifth year, plus bonuses for winning things like, I don't know, what do you get a bonus for? How about a national championship? How about a second one? How about SEC titles? How about division championships? How about all of this stuff? So life in Athens, life's good. Dell wants more. Dell wants the opportunity to prove that I'm a head coach. Now, I'm going to step out. I'm going to give you an opinion about the job he's taking because that's my opinion. And if it's just jump in and tell me when it's official, if it happens during the show. Uh, Del McGee is going to take the Georgia State head coaching job for a lot of reasons. Uh, one is if you look at the Georgia State. No, I'm going to go back. Dell wanted to be a head coach. And so that's a big reason. He wants a chance. I can run a thing. I can, I've, I've proven it before. I won't prove it again. So I, won't, I can run the place. I can, I, can, I can get a program to its maximum. I, I, I really can. I believe it. I just need an opportunity. Georgia State's offering an opportunity. Georgia State is offering the opportunity that includes his son in the current incoming freshman class. So Del McGee's kid is going to be a freshman this fall at Georgia State. Now, my opinion of it, dead-end job. You're not going to win. It's not going to happen. But Dell wants a few things, and he's getting all of them. He just wanted a chance. He's getting it. Not a good one, but he's getting it. Uh, and he's going to get to coach his kid, which that's going to be special as all get out. And then we're all going to get to finally see Dell McGee. Well, he's not being courted or asked, and it's not just us anymore. Somebody hired him. So that's what I think is going to happen. We'll see how it unfolds. We break. We continue next. Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. A wonderful Thursday on the Chuck Oliver Show. Because we're going to talk some Auburn football, bottom of the hour. Brian Matthews. 
Auburn sports, it's a rivals thing. Brian Matthews is going to join us today. That's coming up in, I'm going to say, about 10 minutes or so from now. Jake Wimberly. Been a minute, Jake. Jake is afternoon host, and he's just the maca at 105.9 The Zone um, in Mississippi. And he's afternoon drive there, and we talk football. We talk, we talk Mississippi State, Ole Miss. We talk wagering. Uh, all kinds of fun things with Jake. Always love having him on. He's hosted before when I've been out, so always um, love him coming on. Uh, and then with Del McGee, my, my understanding is Georgia State, they had the open job. This was a week ago. Sean Elliott's like out. Buster Faulkner, who's the OC at Georgia Tech, who had been on staff, an analyst and such in Athens. But before that, he'd been a play caller. He'd been at Arkansas State and wherever. Buster Faulkner is a rising star. That's the thought. And, I mean, is it public? Is this knowledge? I I I hear things, and I don't know if, like, it's a news story that somebody's repeating to me or, hey, don't tell anybody. I just, I don't know. But he was offered the job at Notre Dame in Kentucky. That's my, my understanding. And they're, both, both those jobs offer more just to be the OC than George State offers to be the head coach. So Buster was not a real candidate. Um, do you remember when I talked last week about the Clark Lee thing? You need someone who is a graduate. He played there of R.C. Letterman, and for a few reasons, that maybe he'll come cheaper and maybe he will stay around maybe a season or two after other folks start, you know, sniffing around. I don't know. I was talking about Clark Lee because he played at Vanderbilt. I was talking about Brent Key because he played at Georgia Tech. I was talking about Sean Foster because he played at UCLA. I guess I could talk about Del McKee because his kid's going to be a freshman at Georgia State. So whatever the variable is, get the guy who is going to maybe do the job for a little bit less uh, but then maybe we have if we get an answer maybe there's a reason maybe there's a reason he'll stay i don't know heath um are we not paying attention to jackson state where dion was there with his kid and then strip mined the roster took them all out went on his way to boulder i mean like this idea that if we find a nugget uh that because his kid's here like maybe we get to keep the coach that that to me is like we need to put that aside you need to hire this guy if you want this guy would be my my approach but there is very little in the turn in, in terms of oh this is permanence we can count on this in college football right now no no those days are definitely gone and and certainly you would think if someone hires dad then the kid would likely follow unless he just uh, had a unique situation where he really wanted to stay and complete things with his team or something uh, for what it's worth chuck uh, just heard back from Someone on the Georgia beat saying that they aren't comfortable viewing this as a done deal says, I know there was one report saying he's finalizing a deal, but two others have said it's not that close yet. So make of that what you will. But somebody who covers Georgia day in, day out is not 100% convinced this is happening yet, even though it's obvious that they've they've had serious talks. Yeah, uh, like I said, I, until I hear from Georgia State or the coach involved, um, it's not official. I am expecting this to be official at some point. Um, just and, and and again, the the like the wild card over here is either Georgia State or Del McGee decides. Mm, no, there's a lot that lines up for him to take this job. Yeah, I mean, if you're McGee, the facts are being who you've been on that staff has not generated a lot of head coach interest for you. So, if you have a live one on the line, 
you probably should take it if that's your ambition, which reportedly it is. Um, the days of guys getting hired for SEC jobs in particular these days that are respected assistants, it, it feels like that may be moving towards the old days. I know Jeff Levy's an exception this year, but it, it feels like from here on out, you're going to probably need some head coaching experience much of the time to get a head coaching job. And you might even need another job but higher than Georgia State. You might need that you know Tulane type of job before you can get an SEC head coaching job. So yeah. I'm, I'm, if that's what he wants, I don't know Don McGee at all, but if oh, his either. goal is yeah. to be a head coach, which has been said in the past, I'm not sure you can afford to be patient and wait for something better than Georgia State to come along because I'm not sure it will. Yeah, and what I had been told earlier today was that he realizes – now, we talked about – I don't realize anything. I just observe. I look at Athens and I go – remember the other day we were talking about this? I was like, Brian McClendon knows as long as Bobo's there, he's never, ever going to get the OC job, and so he wants more responsibility, so he goes to the league. Del, Del McGee wasn't even next in line. He was behind McClendon at the point, so – um, he, he wanted more responsibility to be a quote, real OC. And there was nothing coming down the line. So if you can say, well, I'm going to cut the line then I'm just not even going to go the normal route. I'm gonna go straight to head coach, despite what it looks like as a job. And it really does look like it's a big challenge. Um, then it does kind of at least check a couple of boxes for him. Yeah. The one thing about Georgia state is if you're as good a recruiter, especially in state as McGee is, and you're as well connected as he is, maybe you basically treat the Georgia state job like a combination of basically a Juco in a lot of ways, not commenting on the academic part, but just say, Hey, I'm going to get the talent to come there. And I'm going to assume from the minute I get them, I've got them for two years. And if they're who I think they are, somebody like Louisville or South Carolina or whoever's going to come grab them, and I'm not going to have them for four years. But I'm going to get them for their first two. And then conversely, what I'm also going to do is all those guys who were higher-end talents that for whatever reason it didn't work out for them at that SEC or that ACC or that Big Ten school, come on home to Atlanta, play some ball at home, and get your family and friends to be able to see you, and we'll get you some visibility for the league. Uh, I think that Del McGee, with his background and his talent and his connections, could make that work pretty well for them to at least be a winning program every year. Yeah, when you look at the percentage of kids that transfer, um, blue chips included, uh, the numbers mean that, well, that same number of kids, that same percentage is going to be from the Atlanta area, and that's a great place to get another bite at the apple. So there's a whole lot that lines up that would make a lot of sense until we hear from the school or Del McGee. Hey, it's Finn, and if you've been listening to 680 for long, you know that I'm a big fan of Audi Atlanta. That's where I got my Audi Q8 e-tron, which I absolutely love. And it's the only dealership I would recommend to my friends and my family. And here's why. For one, Audi Atlanta has a great selection of luxury vehicles. They helped me find the exact SUV I was looking for, and the purchase was super easy. A fully transparent experience catered to me. The same experience they provide all their customers 
And here's one more reason that makes Audi Atlanta so special. During the month of April, Audi Atlanta will make a donation to Enduring Hearts for every vehicle sold. Thanks to the efforts of Enduring Hearts, children with heart transplants are living longer and healthier lives. Get the Audi you've always wanted while supporting a great cause. To learn more about Enduring Hearts and to view our current specials, visit AudiAtlanta.com to start or complete your entire purchase online. Or shop Audi Atlanta in person like I did on Peachtree Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Together, we have the power to make positive changes that could last a lifetime. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. We are rolling through a Thursday on Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states and 60 sticks. So blessed. I thank you all for making that thing possible. Been doing it 10 years. We just talk college football. Do it year round. So, again, I do thank you all. Want to welcome on right now, Auburn. They're going to be having spring practice opening in a few days, uh, five days from now. From Auburn Sports, it's Rivals. It's Brian Matthews. Brian, welcome back, friend. How you been? I'm doing great. Yep, practice gets underway on Tuesday. All right, let's talk Peyton Thorne. Um, he has played a lot, a lot of football at two different places, including the two best conferences in the game. Um, what does Hugh, What do you believe Hugh Freeze, he looks at Peyton Thorne, what do you think that Hugh Freeze sees as possible for him this season? Uh, you know, I think he sees a guy that works his tail off, that has a ton of starting experience and uh, power for um, football right, who struggled last year. Uh, some of that was on him. A lot of that was on Auburn not having a lot of good personnel around him. So um, I, I do think there's going to be a legitimate um, competition this spring for that starting job. I don't think they're going to hand it to him. You know, Hank Brown came in at the end of that um, bowl game uh, and, and played pretty good, but as mop-up duty, right, and he was a true freshman. So, you know, I take that with a grain of salt. Um, but uh, I do think there's going to be a competition this spring. But just because of the experience factor, I think Peyton Thorne is certainly the favorite to win that. If we look at the wide receiver depth chart, you had talked about talent around him, how much help he got. Um, you and I have discussed this before. It's been a minute since Auburn really looked like an SEC receiver core out there. Um, and I look at it now and I'm like, well, maybe the freshmen are, you know, like they're, they're the guys who will do it. Walk me through what you think that four or five guy rotation, the top of the list may look like because it's wide open for anybody who shows something. Yeah, and they signed the number one receiver class in the country. Two of those guys have already enrolled and be going through spring. Cam Coleman, a five-star. I'd be surprised if, if he's not starting or is a big part of this offense um, uh, this fall. I think he's a terrific uh, young player and a guy who, by coming in early, really gives him a head start on the rest of them. Uh, they got um, a couple of transfers in, two at the receiver position. They're going to help out. So I think it'll be a totally different um, uh, unit uh, this fall, and I would not be surprised to see at least one true freshman started, another couple in the rotation, and maybe the kid. I think he came from either Georgia State or Georgia Southern, Robert Lewis, um, you know, pushing for yep. a starting job too there. So um, that's going to be a position that's uh, completely redone from a year ago. 
All right. Well, give us a quick fly over the offensive line then because um, for a while, for a couple of years, it was, hey, Auburn, we've, they finally gotten old on the offensive line, and it was all mm-hmm. their guys. Well, then they went to the portal and got three or four seniors, old men, starters from other places. Um, tell me what you think the 24 line is going to look like um, overall quality-wise because it was still kind of uneven at times last year. It was, and uh, they're taking steps to alleviate that. They got the uh, transfer from Mississippi State to come in and play left tackle. It allows Wade to move from left tackle to guard where he's more suited to play. And um, uh, you got some other guys back, I think. Um, So when I look at the offensive line, I think it should be better this year. It's got um, a bunch of juniors and seniors, fourth and fifth year guys that have played a lot of football in the SEC. Uh, So I think that's another area that uh, when you talk about – helping out the quarterback or Peyton Thorne more. I think the offensive line is going to be better. The running game should be better. You get all your running backs back. Um, so there, there's a lot of reasons to be cautiously optimistic about the offense. All right. I've made an assumption. I've heard other conversations about it. Maybe it's way off that uh, Hugh Freeze decided enough's <laughs> enough. By golly, it's going to be my offense. Um, did he hire just sort of um, – other staff members or will there be other real voices for determining the offense and the game plan etc or is this just going to be huge deal now right so we did hire Derek Nix from Ole Miss uh, as a running backs coach and coordinator but I do think you freeze is going to you know play a big part in that now more so and uh, I think what he did there was okay I'm bringing in one of the nation's best recruiters as my coordinator he can take some of that recruiting off of my plate and I can take some of the offensive uh, game planning and coaching off, off of his plate a little bit and, and help him out as a young guy who's, you know, being a coordinator for the first time in his career. Uh, he elevated Kent Austin um, to quarterbacks coach. I think Kent has served of his uh, offense coordinator before. So there's another guy that's um, been around a long time as well respected as a quarterback developer and as a offensive coordinator type guy. So I think Derek's, Derek Nix is surrounded with some really talented and experienced guys that he can lean on in his first year as a coordinator. All right, flip it around uh, because that's a replace both coordinators. Um, tell me what you expect from the new staff because Kelly came on first and he was sort of an undetermined role and then Durkin, and so now they've kind of labeled everybody and I guess everybody has their roles. Tell me what you expect. Yeah, I, I think overall you surround himself with more of the people that he knows and feels comfortable with and feels like he can trust. So I think in year two, I think the staff is going to work a little bit better together uh, and be more cohesive. They had a top 10 recruiting class. If you look at the guys they've added, they're all really good recruiters. So I would not be surprised to see this be a top five as class in 2025, uh, which this program desperately needs to stack those really good recruiting classes on top of each other. And then, you know, Dirk is the D.C. Um, he's got a great reputation as a on-the-field coach, uh, certainly uh, successful. I think he'll fit in right with what they were doing before. And, um, you know, he's got some good pieces to work at, at linebacker where he's going to coach. But, um, you know, they're, they're sort of overhauling the defensive line. they got three true freshmen in this um, in January. They're all going to be a part of that rotation. Got to replace four or five stars in the secondary. So that's going to be a work in progress, I would think. Okay. Um, it's funny. I've, I've kept looking. I was like, did I miss something? I get this wrong. Eugene Asante's coming back. And it took yep. me like three weeks last year. I was like, he's the best player on that defense. Um he even had some plays like he had to play against Texas A&M where he caught, uh, I think it was Anaya Smith over near the, I was like, he looks like he's got a rocket on his back. Um, tell me how great that kid can be. Cause uh, that's like, to me, that's the building blocks of the defense. 
Well, you know, he went from almost, you know, walking away from Auburn to being yep. a starter uh, last year and, um, you know, was basically on the scout team. And uh, he deserves a ton of credit for that and um, made himself, I, I, and I agree with you, I think he was one of Auburn's best defenders, and I think he, he's going to be the leader of that entire group and uh, be a really good player on the field. You know, he is not a big, fit guy. Nope. So I think it's important for him to you know, to play it the way he wants to play, to have some guys that can come in there and, and substitute in and give him a break sometimes. I think Auburn has it. I think the strength of the defense is the linebacker room, and they're going to go two or three deep at every position and uh, be pretty good there. All right. Um, talk about the secondary because, you know, Auburn fans have gotten used to some names that you see there for two, three, four years, and you kind of get familiar to that. Um DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, they're gone. Uh, yep. Talk about some of the guys who are back. Uh, Keontae Scott's back. That's huge. Yeah, it is huge. And he's going to move from nickel to cornerback. Um, Kai and Lee, a kid that came in and started four games as a true freshman, is probably your other starter. He's going to have to compete and win that job. But um, I think everybody's pointing to that. They brought in a really talented um, transfer in Jaron Thompson from Texas, who'll probably be one of the starting safeties. Um, you know, they signed, I think it was a dozen defensive backs in the last two classes combined. Mm -hmm. So they got a bunch of young guys, and we'll see, you know, which one of those guys may step up and, and, and be a player you're not expecting to, to win a position or be a big rotational player. But they've got some numbers. They do have some experience back. Um, just got to find a home for everybody and get everybody on the same page. I think um, I think that position as the season goes on is going to get better and better, uh, but might have some hiccups early on. Where are the fans right now? Um, I, it's just, just a different time in college football. You get, like, the high-profile guy in the offseason that you want, that you freeze. And, like, if this was five years ago or ten years ago, any other time, I mean, fan bases set ablaze with excitement. Where are they right now? Uh, ready to have a winner. You know, three straight losing seasons is not something Auburn people are used to. And I think they're ready to take a, a step forward uh, this next year. Um, maybe not compete for a championship in 2024, but at least take a step toward that and be able to feel like 2025 could be the year you're back into contending in the SEC and being in the 12-team playoff or whatever it is by then. Um, but, yeah, I think that's I think Auburn is desperate for a, a, you know, a winning program right now and um, probably a little frustrated with how things have turned out the last three seasons. Oh God! You got to go back literally decades, like into the seventies, eighty, eighty one, and it, when you when a fan base goes four decades between having like an extended, not just a one off season. You're right, Brian. Yep. Absolutely, hundred percent. Appreciate your time, friend. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, Brian Matthews. Um, I talked about that dynamic before for the Auburn fan base. Doug Barfield, who good guy, wound up head coach out in Opelika, I think. But Doug Barfield was the head coach, and then Auburn kept having a bunch of players go to Pro Bowls in the NFL. But they would then Auburn fans, hey, he's in the Pro Bowl. Wait a minute. Why do we lose so many games? So he got fired, and Auburn hired Pat Dye. And so if you're an Auburn – now, remember, that was the middle coach between Shug Jordan and Pat Dye was Doug Barfield. So Shug Jordan was a national championship head coach who as late as 71, 72, 70, like he's putting really, really good teams out there. Heisman Trophy winner, quarterback, uh, again, beat Bama, uh, doing all the things you're supposed to do. And then after, what, the 75 season, he's gone. And then Barfield lasts a few seasons, and they go to Pat Dye. Well, that means if you're like 50, almost your entire life, Auburn's been really, really good to occasionally great. 
well, that means that that's what they are as a program. And then one-off seasons, everybody has it. Auburn's in an extended period. This is the existence. I've talked about this before. That's exactly what Brian brought up. It's like, what's good enough for the fan base? Because this is supposed to be a time. It was the same thing with Napier. I commented on that the entire, I was like, you just hired a new coach who, like a lot of other programs wanted. This was before Napier, like, coached his first game even. Florida fans were like, oh, no, I've been hurt. I've gotten excited before. I thought we hired the right guy before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Tennessee fans got excited about Lane. Then they got Derek Dooley. Then they tried to get excited again, like with Butch, and then with Jeremy Pro. Like Tennessee fans, I promise you, when Heupel first got there, there was a thought. If I'm remembering correctly, there was a thought that UCF, because remember the AD went from UCF to Rocky Top as well. That UCF, they got Gus, and then the guy from Arkansas State to be athletic director. That UCF actually got the better coach and AD. That was kind of the snark thing. Tennessee fans, I was like, really? Tennessee fans, we, we, uh, we're arm's length, man. It is so hard to get us excited right now because of what we've gone through. Well, they're excited now because they've seen it. It used to be we would get excited and stay excited for a couple of years. We got the guy we wanted. And then if you win, well, then it kept being that way. It's just, it's a strange time. Florida hired Billy Napier. Mm, let's see something. And they have it. Josh Heupel, let's see something. Okay, Vols fans, they have. Auburn fans, that's Brian. It's like, what Auburn fan? What's, where are the fan? Where's the fan base right now? They need to see a winner. Not be excited about a coach. They need to see a winner. Ben, a minute. The last, I mean, like Bo beat Oregon, and who did he complete that pass to? Was that Seth? Um, they beat Oregon in that opener. Beat Justin Herbert in that opener six years ago or one to five years, whatever it was. There have been individual Saturdays. They've beaten Georgia, been 17. That was a great day. Beat Alabama, same thing. Um, those have been scattered individual outcomes, whereas Auburn's not supposed to be overall, but it's been a 500 experience. That's not what they're supposed to be. So, all right, uh, we break. We will wrap up our one next. Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Uh, obviously, I've been through the recruiting process a long time, and you know sometimes there's a little bit of fluff in recruiting. So I wanted to ask him, like, "Hey, what's the real? How is it here in Florida State, man?" He had nothing but amazing things to say. And when that comes from your starting quarterback, you know, and you just have nothing but great things to say about the head coach, the quarterback coach, and then all the support staff, the strength staff, to the medical staff, to just the people in the building. Uh, it speaks volumes. Well, that's DJU, and he's talking about a conversation he had with Jordan Travis, the outgoing quarterback who, boy, he's been a champion in that program. DJU, whose father, Big Dave, I believe is his name is. His name is not Big Dave. I believe Big Dave is what he goes by, or Pimp Daddy for Samoan quarterbacks. I don't know. Um he uh, has arranged the deal, and DJU will be the starting quarterback, barring an injury, down in Tallahassee this year. And he's talking about how great it's going to be and how everything that Jordan Travis told him, and oh, my goodness, I can't wait to experience it all like he did. It may happen. It was not good. It was good against Notre Dame and – uh, not Wake Forest, BC, I think. 
Notre Dame and the other game. It was really good for DJU a couple years back, and then it was or 2020, took <laughs> a couple years back, and it wasn't real good at all. And it was a constant barrage of criticism. Hey, you guy who's not Deshaun or Trevor, you're not as good as Deshaun or Trevor. He's like, no, I'm not. And I'm going to go play for Oregon State. And he was he was good last year. He had a good enough season. And Oregon State, uh, not good enough to get him on the boat, good enough to get the coach out of town. Jonathan Smith got a life raft, and DJU is now down at Florida State. So there you go. Eli Gold is no longer going to be the hey, uh, announcer. Play-by-play for football at Alabama. Eli Gold started doing that job 35 years ago. So he's 70 now. Here is the truth. This is just a blanket statement. At 70, we are not as mentally or physical, physically anything as we were at 60 or 50 or 35. That includes me when I turned 70. It includes Eli Gold now, who is 70. And when I say at 70, we're not as mentally or physically anything as we were, that includes calling college football games on the radio. Now, I'm not giving the inside information, I don't think, to the athletic department and decisions of the administration in Tuscaloosa. I think I'm just kind of giving you two plus two. If Eli Gold were employed to fly the space shuttle or lead Everest climbs, there's no debate. There's no pushback. Eli, walk with me. And then a discussion of just how many candles are on the cake and how it's best for everybody to move on. Also true. A flawless, technically perfect broadcast is not the only thing a college fan base listens to the radio for when his or her team plays. We listen for what we know, for what is familiar, for what sounds and feels like our broadcast. So I want to set that as the disclaimer. It's up to the school or the pro franchise or whomever to decide at what point the reality of declining ability overtakes the value of familiarity. Bama's athletic administration made that choice. So Eli Gold's a legend, man. How do you get to be a legend? You do it for a really long time. He's been in Bama half his life. He said to me, he's like, I'm a kid from Brooklyn. How do I get to be the voice of NASCAR and Crimson Tide football? He said that to me like 15 years ago. And so he's just kept on. Um, He's had as big time a career as can be. And so as he announced yesterday, he said, the university has decided I will not be back. He says, understand, this is not a health thing. I'm healthy as a horse. Uh, they decided to move on. Now, when I'm talking about declining ability, I am talking broad brush about anyone doing any job at age 70 versus when you were 35 or 45 or 55. Since it's anyone doing any job, that includes Eli doing this job. Just what it is. So um, he had the time away for cancer a few seasons back. He returned after that. He did the road games and then uh, did the Iron Bowl last year. And so he won't do games anymore so it happens it's not fun but every press box i mean in the sec and the acc college football a lot of the press boxes have names on them for a reason 
a lot of those people aren't still doing the games. Hey, how's the Thursday going, man? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Chuck, because uh, obviously there just aren't many guys. You can be great at the job, but the modern era of broadcasting, it's just not really possible for somebody to build that same equity and connection, even if you stay 10 or 15 years. Really tough, man. It's not the same now that you can get every game on the SEC network or your phone or whatever. And so, you know, Alabama is unusual in that you had more than one guy. You know, John Forney obviously was that guy for one generation, and Eli Gold for a whole other generation was that guy. Chris Stewart is a pro. He'll do a great job in that role, and he's already doing yep. other things for their network. But even Chris, I think, would tell you it's just not possible to have that same kind of connection these days as it used to be. And you, know, you just look around, and, and with the loss of Rod Bramlett over at Auburn, again, there's there just aren't that many guys that have that kind of lengthy run with the program anymore. And you know, it, it, for years was Jim Hawthorne on LSU. You know, just, it, it's, it's a shame. You hate to see it in this way. You'd like it to be whenever it happens, rock and chair and you know, goodwill and everything else. Uh, interestingly enough, Eli Gold says today he's accepted a job calling play-by-play with a professional organization that will be announced tomorrow. So he says he wants to call games for another decade, Chuck. I don't know if that's feasible or not. But if you're talking about calling games for professional organization, you kind of look around and I know UFL Gene Deckerhoff. Yeah, Gene Deckerhoff's retiring down in Tampa. I wouldn't think that that would be where they would go for their next play-by-play voice, but you never know. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see what the next shoe is that Eli Gold is telling people today is going to fall tomorrow. Um, again, does Birmingham have a UFL team? They might. So um, I just it, you can I see all the time about players, you know, from if you, if you look in like a smaller town, like a like a Starkville, you know, based digital outlet or a newspaper in Athens, Georgia. Great all season story is when any of their former players or coaches resurface. And so that's the kind of thing you're used to seeing, like a former assistant coach who got let go, got picked up by the Birmingham Steel Dogs or whomever. Um, the same thing can happen with an announcer as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'd have to triple-check where we are with the UFL and the XFL and the USFL, a big glob now. Uh, I have no idea. At one point, the entire USFL was in Birmingham, so I would think they would That's have a correct. team there. Yeah. But, I, you know, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, I think they dropped a letter. Didn't they drop a continent in the merger? Yeah, the, the, the S went away, and, and some teams presumably <laughs> okay. went away. So maybe that's the answer. We'll see. So that's Eli, and if he's uh, tweeting it out, then that means we're about to get um, about to get an answer uh, to that one as well. And remember, same thing he mentioned, Deckerhoff. That's Florida State as well. So um, rare that we get turnover like this, but some of it's happening right now. Hey, it's Finn, and if you've been listening to 680 for long, you know that I'm a big fan of Audi Atlanta. That's where I got my Audi Q8 e-tron, which I absolutely love. And it's the only dealership I would recommend to my friends and my family. And here's why. For one, Audi Atlanta has a great selection of luxury vehicles. They helped me find the exact SUV I was looking for, and the purchase was super easy. A fully transparent experience catered to me. The same experience they provide all their customers And here's one more reason that makes Audi Atlanta so special. During the month of April, Audi Atlanta will make a donation to Enduring Hearts for every vehicle sold. Thanks to the efforts of Enduring Hearts, children with heart transplants are living longer and healthier lives. Get the Audi you've always wanted while supporting a great cause. To learn more about Enduring Hearts and to view our current specials, visit AudiAtlanta.com to start or complete your entire purchase online. Or shop Audi Atlanta in person like I did on Peachtree Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Together, we have the 
power to make positive changes that could last a lifetime. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. 